Okay. How's that? Eric, it should work when I don't have it on. What's wrong with you, man? That's the nature of how things go here, right? If something goes wrong, everybody kind of turns and look up there, but a lot of times it's what's going on up here. Uh, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is different for me. Uh, if you're new today, then usually I do what Brandon does, and Josh Ross does what I'm doing. And so in both cases, he does it better and Josh does it better, so I'm just kind of stuck in between. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I do love a chance to, to speak with you and share a couple of things. Um, I don't know what kind of alarms that you have in your life, uh, but, uh, you know, we always ha I don't know what you use to get up in the morning, if you have an alarm clock, or how many of you use your cell phone now to wake you up? Yeah. And how many of you set alarms during the day to remind you of important things you need to do? Right. Okay. Well, I'm not talking about those alarms. I'm, I'm talking about the ones like when the boss uh, sticks his or her head in your office at 4.45 on a Friday to say, hey, uh, the owner and I need to meet with you Monday morning. Uh, we have a few concerns. Um, have a nice weekend. <laughs> uh, or any um, letter you might get from the IRS. Or uh, you get a phone call from uh, a police officer saying, um, we have your son, uh, he's down at the station, we need you to come down. Those are the kind of alarms that can go off in our lives uh, when a doctor calls and says, hey, we need you to come in as quick as you can, we need to go over some the test results. Those are the things that tell us while we are on our way uh, waiting over the weekend or driving wherever we need to go or whatever we're doing, that life may not be exactly the same from this point forward. It's those kind of alarms uh, that I'm talking about because all of us have them in our lives. Um, we deal with those. Allison and I deal with them. Um, they usually happen in the middle of the night when uh, we hear Piper having a seizure. And, and we know what to do now, but the very first time that happened to us, there's no script for that. There's no uh, idea of what you should be doing. So uh, I want to take us to a place in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20 where we read a, a story about a guy named uh, Jehoshaphat is what uh, I guess I've read in Hebrew. We just call him Jehoshaphat. Uh, so we're going to go with that today. Uh-huh, Jehoshaphat. Um, so in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we've got some people that come to him in verse 2, and they said that a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. I think there's a map of actual uh, aerial footage of this at some point, but um, there are three armies coming. They're three days away. What do you do? Three days away, I called Patrick Parson because uh, I was trying to prepare for this. How fast can an army march in a day is my question to him. So we figure they're about 75 miles away from this point, maybe up to where they're going. So, hey, three days is my best estimate. It's not scriptural uh, necessarily, but it's my uh, take on that. So you've got three armies coming three days uh, away, and what are you going to do? Here's what he did. Verse 3, it said, alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together. Hold on a minute. People came together to seek him from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. 
Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, and here's his prayer, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Now God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, and this is what our ancestors said, right? If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress. You will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Well, see how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The first thing I just want to point out from this story is when the alarm sounds, Seek God first above the other sources. Um, I have a tendency to um, panic. Uh, how many of you are Google searchers? Got a pain, you know, somewhere? Like, oh, what does pain in right abdomen? And you have this ad for Cancer Centers of America, and you're like, oh, that's not helpful. It rarely is, right? Any medical profession, professionals in the audience, right? When you Google something, it usually doesn't lead you to what you really need. So we have all these tendencies when these things happen to us. Uh, we can worry, we can consult people, but usually we want to gripe about what's wrong or worry about what's wrong. Or How many of you uh, take to Facebook, right? When something goes wrong in your life, you just air it all out there for everybody to see. You know, well, here's what's going on in my life. And, and, well, here's what Jehoshaphat did. Um, he resolved to seek the Lord. He gathered people to fast with him. He didn't gather people to, to work up a military strategy. He gathered people to pray with him. And then here's his prayer. He says he, that he gives praise for God's character and power. That's the first part that we read. Um, the, the part where it says um, uh, that he is always had the power. And then he anchors to God's past actions. When they were in trouble, they would cry out to you. You would hear them in their distress, and then you would save them. And that was the deal that you had with them. And they were counting on that. And then he, he pleads to God regarding his current situation. My tendency is to jump to that last one, right? Something's going wrong. Oh, God, please help me with this situation. But, but one thing I see from them, and I, I think it's good for us, is to take the time to honor God, who we're speaking to. God, you are so amazing. Your power is unmatched. Your wisdom is unmatched. You are loving. You're caring. And then I remember all the things that you've done for all your people. You know all the VBS stories, right? All the Bible stories of God's heroic actions all through history. You know people who he has done wonderful things for. You know yourself. He's done some amazing things for you already. So all of this that we can praise God for, then he jumped into, okay, now here's the situation. And so, um, so he laid it all out there for God. 
And he prayed at the end of his prayer, a prayer that we should all know. And this is it, if the, go to the next slide. Our God, will you not judge them? Which basically means, will you please do something about this? We played by the rules when we left Egypt. We could have crushed them, but you said not to, so we didn't. And so here's how they're repaying us. So God, we're played by your rules. They're not playing by your rules, so would you please do something about this? Will you do something? And then I love this. I have no power. I have no plan. But I have a provider, and it's you. And my eyes are on you. Uh, <laughs> and I love the next verse because it says, All the men of Judah, their wives, their children, and little ones. So there's no toddler time, no nursery for this. They're all there. And they stood before the Lord. Silence, waiting, it's unnerving, right? We are active people. We put things in the microwave for a reason. We don't, you know, when you look at the little uh, meal instructions, conventional oven, 40 minutes. Microwave, two minutes? You know, who's going to choose the 40? Uh, so, you know, we, and, and that's the way we want to be. But when they sought the Lord, will you do something? We don't have power. We don't have a plan. Our eyes are on you. But what I tend to do in situations like that is... Um, I want to take my request to the Lord. God, uh, okay, here's, here's my issues. Uh, they're, they're numbered one through. And I need you to, well, actually, um, here, I'll, I can handle, well, let's see, I can, I got these, well, tr honestly, I think I can handle these three. But these next two are, well, okay, that last one, I don't want to bother you with that one, so. Here, if you'll handle this part of it, and we give him all this, we say we want him to help us, but in, in actuality, we, we take it back on ourselves, right? We want you to do something, but then we start planning, we start strategizing, we start moving, and we don't wait to see what he says. It's unnerving, because what if he gives a response that I don't want? It's hard. But I love this, and, and I'm, I'm not saying when I read this story that this is the way your life will go. I'm not saying from this story that this is the way it will always happen, because it didn't always happen for God's people. They prayed, and things didn't happen. You can read Psalm 44, and that's, that's kind of one of those places where I go to sometimes that, well, we remember all these stories about how you went out with their armies, and they were successful, and yeah, we're not successful, and I could get it if we weren't like honoring you, but we are, so what's wrong? And there are those prayers. Psalm 13, how long, O oh Lord? I mean, it's hard to wait. But I love what Psalm 5, verse 3 says. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and, say it with me, wait expectantly. What does Psalm 130 say? Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. And then it goes on to say later, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. And then this last part, more than watchmen wait for the morning 
And he says it again. It's not a typo. More than watchmen wait for the morning. When you're on the wall, it's your shift. You're watching over the city, and you're going to make sure no bad guys try to get in or out, and then you're waiting, right? How many of you are shift workers? You're kind of like, you know, counting down 30 more minutes until you get to go home. Well, it's not that he's waiting for the sun to rise and say, oh boy, I hope it rises today. Is the sun supposed to come up today? I don't know. I haven't heard. Yes, it is coming up. You just have to wait for it. And when we ask something of the Lord, I love that they stood there. I don't know how long they stood. I would have loved to have seen it. When we send a text message, how many of you watch for the little bubbles? Yeah. You send your text. Hey, can you, I got a question for you. Come on. Come on. And so when we're waiting for the Lord, it can be a hard thing to do, but we do need to learn to wait on him. Um, and so the, the second thing, when we ask him for help, I think it's the next uh, thing. I don't know if I put that on there, right? Um, but, um, well, let's move on. Um, so it's okay. Don't, don't move ahead. But when we ask him for help, wait for God because he's sovereign. That's the other one. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel a Levite and a descendant of Asaph, and he stood in the assembly. So um, go back when I think we went ahead. There we go. Um, I think this is interesting because sometimes when you ask God to help you with something and your eyes are on him, the word doesn't come to you. That's the power of community. Who did the word go to? Jehaziel. So he invited all these people to pray, and that's the power of inviting people to pray with you, is when God is working, when God is speaking, it may not be a direct word right to you. It may come from a good friend. It may come from a parent. It may come from someone else among you, but God is going to hear. God is going to do something about it, and God is going to let you know what he's doing one way or another, but it may not come directly through you. That's why we need each other, and we are very, very prideful people. I never mind it when somebody calls me, hey, would you help me? But when I've got a problem, well, I don't want to bother them. I mean, they got their own problems, right? So I'm smart enough. I'm, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. But I love what the king did. I have no power. I got no plan. Let's call people together. Will you join me in praying? Will you join me in fasting? When you're fasting, you're saying nothing else matters. Not even food matters. I need to know what God is going to do. Please, God, give us your answer. Please, God, help me. And so word comes. And here it is uh, in verse 15. It says, do not be afraid or discouraged. Man, how many times do you read that in Scripture? I've heard it's like 365 times. I don't know if that's too, like, quaint, but it's a ton of times. Somebody said, well, it's 365 times because there's 365 days in the year and you need it every day. Amen. <laughs> I don't know how many times it's in there, but here it is. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. It's a good word. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. All right, so do not be afraid. <laughs> the king responded uh, in this, well, let's, let's keep going. I think we've got, uh, so early, uh, where are we? I got lost. Okay, so he prayed, we have no power. 
right? Jehoshaphat pray, we have no power, and God responds with, do not be discouraged or afraid. You don't even have to fight the battle, right? They prayed, we have no plan, and God answers with, okay, here's your plan. You march down against them, take up your positions, and stand firm. And they say, we pray that our eyes are on you, God, and so he answers with, see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. He responded to them directly. And so when he gives us his promise, there we go, one more slide ahead. When he gives us his promise, trust God, believing in his strategy. This is where worship comes from. Sometimes I'm, I'm good about worshiping God after something happens, when he's given the victory, but this is the place where you worship God, you trust him. These are songs of, I need you, God, I trust in you. When peace like a river right? Or when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, I trust you. I trust you. He's got a plan. All all they have in this moment is God's word. Nothing's happened yet. The army's still coming. They're just standing there before the Lord, and they hear this response of what he said he's going to do. So, um, it says in verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. All the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites stood up and praised the Lord with a very loud voice. So you got people falling down in worship. You've got people standing up to praise him. This is an awesome scene. And then it, it keeps going. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. Uh, As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and all the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets. You'll be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. Wow. So here they are, battle plans. Everybody gets up early in the morning. Soldiers are shining armor. They've got spears. They've got swords. They're getting shoes tightened, polished up. They look nice. And then word comes from the king. Hey, we need some uh, little praise team. So, uh, so they get a group of men. You know, I love this idea, right? If that were me, like to get a group of fellas together, uh, just men. Sorry, ladies. So sopranos and alto. Got that bass, got a little baritone, a little tenor, maybe a little manprano up top. And, you know, and so they're working on harmonies and they've got their lyrics. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So it's not a lot of words to remember. It's pretty simple. God's love hasn't run out on us. Let's give him praise. Let's praise God. And so they're working on a cadence, you know, whatever marching cadence is, you know, and so they've got it all worked out. I would have loved that. You know, kind of stand in the back, you know, while they're going out, and then you're just like launching all these like lyrics of praise over them, and you're encouraging them from, oh, at the head of the army. So like you mean like the f- near the front? Like there's a line of soldiers, right? And then we're going to be bringing it, okay, uh, wait, no, you mean the front front? I mean, I guess the king, like the soldiers, like really don't know acoustics, you know, because, you know, if you're out front, you, you know, the sound's going this way and the army's back here, they're not going to hear, so, I mean, I, I don't know, man, and, okay, and then you're going back over, okay, so the Lord said, like, you don't have to fight, but, like, what if there's a little fighting? I don't know. I don't know if I'm up for that. You know, because uh, there's just so much that, you know, your sheet music and a pitch pipe are going to do when you're 
I mean, I don't know if it's one of those fights, you know, when you, okay, I'm going to swing a couple times. I'm going to get a couple punches. You're going to get a couple, and then God's going to come in and smoke them. So is it going to be that way? You know, I mean, there's not, that doesn't scare anybody, you know, like you're going to launch your pitch pipe at somebody, and they're just suddenly going to run. Now, I don't, I don't see any of the, the singers uh, having an issue with this. Okay, okay, back to the story. So, so we've got, um, now who's out front? Wrong. God's out front, right? Don't lose that. They didn't lose that. It was not lost on them. So when he says we're going to go out, praise is going to lead the way. Don't forget, when we prepare for war, praise God. It's our secret weapon. Enemies don't know about this. They're not expecting this. Now, I don't think it was like some funky jazz chord that they're singing and the enemy was like, oh, what do we do? It's in 11, 12 time. We don't know. You know. So it's nothing like that. It's just the fact that they're praising God. And I love that it says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. If we'll go to the next slide. So they're here still. The army is on its way. They haven't even met yet. So they're starting to praise God, and God sets ambushes. And so the Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the, I don't know, there's Samsonites and termites and parasites. Um, the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And then they finished slaughtering them. They helped destroy one another. There's your fight. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooked the desert, looked down toward the vast army. Oh, the army was there, all right, but they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground. No one had escaped. Okay, so this is um, the way God does things. I love um, Psalm 23. I love how he provides for me. I love lying down in green pastures. I love drinking from quiet waters. I mean, I don't even mind, like, eating food God made at his table, even if my enemy's watching me. Um, I don't mind this, uh, man, I love the goodness and mercy following me, and I love dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, right? But uh, that verse 4 is kind of one of the things that I have a hard time with, um, where it talks about, even though I walk through the valley of the... I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the shadow of death, you know, that's the one thing that I think Satan deals with more than anything else. Shadows. It's not necessarily the real thing. It's just a shadow. Um, it's my hand, but... Right? If you're, if you're a sheep and you're kind of bebopping through a valley and you're not exactly sure where to go and then you turn a corner and you see this up on a wall somewhere, you assume what? <laughs> Whatever that is, I don't want any part of it. Oh, that's Kip's hand. Why, look, it's Kip's hand on the wall. There is no, none of that. <laughs> All it is is I don't know what it is. It's moving. It's bigger than me. It's probably got more teeth than I do. So, yeah, I'm going to go the other way. 
we can turn those back up. So, so the, the thing about this and what they discover is when they get to the, to the valley is they realize that sometimes um, the things that we're fearing the most are nothing but a shadow. Amen. It's not real death, even though it was an option in this story, but with God. See, the real thing in the valley with you is your shepherd. Those are just shadows. So we need to act like the reality of our shepherd is stronger than the fear over these shadows that Satan wants to throw at us. All right, well, let's move on. So um, let's see. So Jehoshaphat and his men, there we go, uh, went to carry off the plunder. They found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it. Three days of worrying turns into three days yard sale, right? Um, and so they're going around picking out, you know, swords and like, man, my sword's all dented. Woo, this one's nice. And so they're picking up swords and shields and armor and articles of value. And, and that's just the way it goes with God. You know, the, when the battlefield or the field of battle turns into blessing, then we thank God. Uh, if we go one more, I think there's the, yeah, it's the verse. And go one more slide, Jen. We thank God for the supply. Sometimes we think we're going in for a fight and then we realize it's just there for God to say, I needed you to see this. Amen. Now, go get your blessing. And so, uh, because it says in verse 26, on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah where they praised the Lord. This is why it's called the valley of Barakah because the word Barakah means either blessing or praise. So, God turns this valley into a blessing. And uh, then 27, then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them the cause to rejoice over their enemies. So they start praising the Lord. And then it doesn't end there. They walk all the way home praising the Lord. And then they entered Jerusalem, and they went home because they were tired. No. It says they went straight to the temple to continue praising God. So the last one is when we return in victory, worship God for his salvation. This is our story. Um, I'm reminded of what happened in Luke chapter 17 because there is, this is the last one I want to share, then I'll be through. It says this, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I mean, when their alarm sounded, they reached out to the Lord, didn't they? When they saw him, they said, Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. How many of them said, oh, praise God, as they were walking? How many of them said, oh, my family, oh, yes. I get to go home now, right? I get to go back to the to worship God with the people. I get to go and work and in the marketplace and buy things. I get to be back in society. Ah, thank you, Lord. But one of them, only one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. The Bible likes to point out he was a Samaritan. Like he was the one you wouldn't expect to be the hero of the story. And then in verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is our story. 
we cry out to God and we say, would you please? We have no power, we have no plan, and our eyes are on you. And when he responds with the salvation that comes through Jesus, we respond in praise and we say, thank you, God. But is it this quiet kind of, well, appreciate that, but I'm gonna do my life now? Or are we the ones that are gonna live our lives on our knees before the Lord to say, thank you? Thank you. So it's our story, but will this become our song? As we just sang a little while ago. Praising my Savior all the day long. I pray that um, today, and I'm gonna ask our shepherds to come on up, uh, if you will. We have opportunity for you to pray. Uh, there'll be a shepherd up here who will, if you have any uh, concerns that you want the church to know about and things to pray for, there's power in praying together. Um, any of the other shepherds you see, and, and maybe their wives, and if we have any uh, uh, other folks who will pray with you, we, we just want you to know that we love you. And we hope that today is a day that you will uh, give your life to the Lord, recommit your life to the Lord, because he's been good to us. Amen. Thanks for letting me share. Let's stand together.